0: Welcome, Salem Heights, to another week of Church at Home. We are so glad that you're joining us this morning and want to remind you that we do want this to be a family time. So we're encouraging you right now to gather the family together. Join us as we worship through music and as Pete preaches uh, this morning, shares with us from the Word. Uh, We want to continue to worship even though we are apart. As always, if you're desiring to connect with us, we're encouraging you uh, to reach out either through our uh, website or through email, but stay connected in this season where we're all stuck at home. Join us now as we worship. Well, good morning, church. Let's worship together. Bless the Lord, O my soul.
1: will worship your holy name oh lord i worship your holy
0: name isaiah 53 says this it says but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So consider these lyrics here. Surrender all to Jesus. All
1: to Jesus.
0: Father, we are so thankful that we know you in these days and we do want to surrender our lives to you because we know it brings chaos if we do not. So God, I would pray that you'd help us to do that. I pray that you'd help us to look to you first in all things. I pray that you'd help us to reach out to one another where we can and help where we can. God, I would pray that you'd help us to be those found in your word, uh, on our knees praying to you diligently. God, we would pray that you'd um, open our eyes to the needs around us Help us not to be um, so self focused in these moments where um, we know that the temptation would be to be self um, focused. I, God, I pray that you'd help us uh, to see the needs of the people around us and uh, be willing to help where we can. We look forward to uh, looking into your word now and pray that you'd help us uh, to grow as a result. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.
2: Well good morning church, it is so good to be with you and I can't tell you how excited I am for the opportunity to bring the message this morning, uh, how I, I just love being able to minister uh, to you, with you and so uh, God has been working in my life like I'm sure he's been working in yours, uh, showing me a lot of different things and I want to deliver a message today um, that I've entitled a settled soul in restless times, and and I, I know that we continue to walk through this season of life, a historic season, uh, where we don't know what the future holds in regards to when we're going to get back to being able to assemble, when we're going to be able to go back to our jobs, schools, maybe even get to go on vacation. We don't know, uh, but what we do know is this, that God is in control. And so there have been a couple of things that have been kind of rolling around in my mind that I was eager to share this morning. So what I'm going to try to do is touch on both of those things this morning. The first is this. I want to remind us that God's word is sufficient for everything we're going through. The dictionary defines sufficient as being able to meet the demand or being able to fulfill the need. And I believe that God's word is sufficient in giving us wisdom, but also in settling our soul. But I also want to talk a little bit about how we can continue to be on mission as the church. Because one thing we know for sure is that God was not caught off guard by the coronavirus. And God's not been kind of up there frantically trying to figure out what He's going to respond. He, being God, from uh, the beginning of time through eternity, knows everything that's going on. And I can say this confidently based on what the scriptures tell us, is that God is still at work. God is still at work accomplishing his mission. And so one of the things that I thought we could start off by doing is just admitting the obvious, which is this has been a challenging time. Um, There's a spectrum, I would say, between kind of where we're all at. For some people, uh, this break, this forced kind of stay-at-home season has been really, really hard. Um, It has left us discouraged. It's impacted maybe your job. It's impacted the rhythm of your family because uh, perhaps if you have kids, they're now at home trying to do school from home. Um, Perhaps it's impacted just your ability to kind of go through your routine and and you've kind of come to learn that your routine, when it gets tinkered with, can impact kind of your emotions, both spiritually, your physical, kind of how you feel. And so I think there's a, a large portion of us who understandably fall into that part of the spectrum. And on the other side of that spectrum is is those who perhaps this has actually been a blessing, uh, something that has come that maybe you didn't see a way that you were going to be able to accomplish this on your own. Uh, a needed break, uh, an ability to reset, to maybe step back from the busyness of life and kind of look at things and be able to maybe make some changes that were needed, not only for your personal physical well-being, spiritual well-being, relational well-being, but uh, things that needed to be done to impact others in your house and even in maybe where you work. But no matter where you fall on the spectrum right now in light of the coronavirus, I I know that for all of us, um, it is going to become easy to become restless during this time. Uh, restless is this uh, inability to kind of settle, inability to kind of find peace. I think there are, are ways that um, we can become restless. I, I think Zoom and online sermons in some ways have been such a blessing that we could continue to do church over the last several weeks. But I know for a lot of people, a lot of you that I've been talking to, it, it is it has come to be found as a cheap replacement to being together physically in the same place, worshiping at the same time. So while we're thankful for Zoom, It might be kind of getting old, and with that, we're starting to get a little restless. We're just really craving that physical, person-to-person, face-to-face interaction. Um, Another thing that can cause us to be restless is the fact that maybe we are attempting to continue to stay strong in our spiritual walk, and yet we're not finding ability to get traction there. Maybe it's your prayer life seems powerless right now. Uh, maybe it's your time in the Word hasn't really seemed to be meeting you or feeding you in the way. And, and that can cause us to get restless, especially as we're trying to grow or trying to connect with God. And that can cause us to be discouraged. Uh, I don't think, if that is you, that you should feel like you're the only one. I think there are a lot of us who have struggled during this time to stay um, hot for Jesus, stay really, really just like wanting to be in His Word, wanting to grow in our faith because the ry- rhythms of life have, have been knocked off course. I think one of the things, too, that maybe even this week has caused a little restlessness in all of us is the fact that you know, we had the initial stay-at-home order, and we've been kind of doing church, but one of the things that helps you during a time of uncertainty is certain kind of landmarks to look at, and I think Easter was one of those. And I hope you were encouraged by last week's message uh, from our worship team and Pastor Justin. Um, but you know, even though Easter was very different than how we normally do it, um, at church and with our families. It was still a a kind of a building up point, something to look forward to. Well, now Easter has come and gone, and perhaps you're feeling restless now going, okay, what is the next thing to look forward to? Because we really don't know when. when is even summer going to start. When is, we can see a date on the calendar, but really the ability to go outside, enjoy the weather, go and do what we want to do. All these things can cause a restless soul. And what I want to encourage us this morning with is this. I believe that God's word is the remedy for a restless soul. And I wanted to take you first to a passage in Psalm. Psalm chapter 19, hopefully you have your Bibles, you can turn to that. But in Psalm chapter 19, starting in verse 7, it says this. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward." The Word of God is sufficient, and again that means that it is able to meet us in our, our, in our mess, meet us in our circumstances. The Word of God is a place that we can go and get wisdom on how to make wise choices, God-honoring choices, choices that are going to point us uh, in towards God's will rather than towards our own self-ruled heart's desires. But one of the things that I love about this passage is that the Word of God also is good for soul care. This idea of sufficiency is that it has everything that we're going to need for life. And I was thinking of uh, an example. And when I was a kid, uh, I remember seeing another youngster that had a Swiss Army knife. And I really, really wanted one, but my parents didn't necessarily think I was ready for one. And um, so I remember eventually I got a Swiss Army knife. And if you're not familiar, Swiss Army knife has lots of different functions on it and and it can do a lot of different things. And it's designed to be a multi-use tool that whatever circumstance you find yourself in, if you have a Swiss Army knife, you can get out of that circumstance, you can take care of your problems. Well, a few years ago, my brother gave me uh, the Swiss Army Golf Tool. I love golf, and uh, this was a pretty cool thing because it has a bunch of different gadgets on here to fix ball marks, to help get your tee in the ground, to mark your ball on the green. It has scissors. I don't know why you'd ever need scissors on a golf course. It also has a toothpick and tweezers. So it's a little bit overbuilt, but the thing is, I know that when I go golfing, I have this tool with me. No matter what I'm going to face on the golf course, it's going to be able to be here in one place. I can go to this. I'm going to be able to take care of my circumstance. The same is true for God's word. The same is true for God's word. And I wonder this week, uh, over the last several weeks, and even this last week, have you been going to God's word as a place not only for wisdom but for soul care? Because it's so important that you and I uh, are settled in our soul. And that, that idea of settledness is that we are confident in God. Uh, we, we, we do have the reality of uncertain times, but that doesn't shake us who we are. Again, the soul of a person, one author described a soul as this, one person's self or their heart. In essence, it's the inner person, the whole person, the real you. We all need to be uh, paying attention to our soul. Um, God cares about it. And his word says here, has the ability, because it's perfect, because it's trustworthy, because it's right, because it's radiant, because it's pure, it has the ability, it says here, to renew one's life, to, to bring back life and energy and excitement during those times when we are restless. Now you might be asking at home, well, Pete, that's great and I believe that, but how does the word of God, if it's truly sufficient, how does it help me deal with this time where I'm stuck at home? And, and I'm glad that you asked that question because I, I thought about that too in preparation for this morning. And there's actually a place in scripture where we actually see somebody on house arrest. They can't leave their house. And it's found in Philippians chapter one. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. But we actually have an example in scripture on how to live in house arrest from the Apostle Paul's life. Uh, It's really interesting. Um, One of the great things about the New Testament is that we can learn about scripture from scripture. And so the book of Philippians, it was actually a letter. It was written by Paul to the believers in a place called Philippi. And if we go back to Acts chapter 16, we actually have the historical record of the trip that Paul took to Philippi and and the events that surrounded him establishing that church, that very first church in Philippi. So later on in, in the story of Acts, as you read through it, Paul is being persecuted for being a proclaimer of truth to both the Jews and the Gentiles and he ends up going to Rome to be put on trial, and he is placed on house arrest. And it tells us in Acts chapter 28 that he was in house arrest for two full years. Now, we're about five, six weeks into this, but Paul couldn't leave his house for two full years. But I love what it says here in the end of Acts chapter 28. You can stay in Philippians, I'll just read it to you, but this is what it says. In Acts 28, the final two verses, of the Acts. It says this, Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now get this, with all boldness and without hindrance. So it says that Paul is now, he's in Rome Uh, and he has been imprisoned, so he has a guard that's with him all the time he cannot leave his house and yet Paul continues to carry out his calling without hindrance and with full boldness. Well how could that be? It was during this time that he actually wrote four what they call prison epistles or prison letters just meaning that he was in prison when he wrote these letters to uh, different places and one of those letters was the book of Philippians and what I wanted to do this morning is just quickly look at four ways that Paul continued to do ministry while he was in house arrest. And I hope that these will encourage us for a simple truth, and that is this, that even though we are stuck at home, we can still be on mission for the Lord. So let's take a look. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. It says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The first thing that kind of jumps out to me for how Paul could continue to be on mission even though he was stuck at home was that Paul's circumstances didn't hinder his calling. It says right here in the very first verse, he identifies himself as a servant of Christ. I don't know about you, but during this time, it's been easy to kind of focus on how I'm gonna make the most of my time for me. What am I gonna maybe use this extra free time to do or what am I gonna do to not get bored? and thinking that I'm kind of the one that is number one. What Paul does during his time is he remembers that he's not number one, that God is number one, and that he is a servant of God. And because God is not chained, God is not on house arrest, God is still on the move, Paul says, I'm his servant, so I'm gonna continue to serve him even though I'm in this place. See, his calling came from his position in Christ. And his position, it's what settled his soul. He knew that even though he wasn't able now to freely travel around and go do what he wanted to do, because he was in Christ and because Christ was never going to leave him and now the Spirit of God resided inside of him, he was still able to live out his calling. And that if God was going to allow him to be in house arrest, that God knew that and that God was still going to give him work to do. And so he calls himself a servant of Christ. And if you continue to read on in Philippians, he talks about the key to being a servant for Christ while you're on home arrest is having a humble mindset. He actually says that he encourages the Philippians to join him in in taking on or adopting the same attitude that Jesus had when he went to the cross. It says in Philippians that Jesus humbled himself as a servant and was obedient to the Father's will, going to the cross, dying for our sins, and eventually being risen again on the third day. Paul says, that was Christ's attitude as a humble servant. That's our attitude, no matter what our circumstances. And so we see here, Paul's circumstances didn't hinder his calling. The second thing we see here is that he stayed connected to other believers. I mean, the whole letter here is him communicating. Uh, He is taking time. This is something that Paul, it says, took three different missionary journeys, three different Um, where he left his home and went all over the known world at that time, preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish people. And he went all over the world, and many people were saved, but he also faced uh, great opposition. But even though now he's on home, kind of house arrest, he can't leave his home, he is continuing to stay connected with other believers. Uh, this is so important for all of us to be able to do during this time and i know that um, this is one way we're trying to stay connected with you i know that many of our small groups and discipleship groups um, our children's ministry our teens ministry and we're finding ways to stay connected through the use of technology you know in paul's day he didn't have uh, the internet he didn't have a phone uh, but he had the ability to write a letter and so he would just spend his time writing letters to communicate He could have been focused on himself, but no, instead he wanted to send notes of encouragement. Some of his letters were letters of uh, exhortation and admonishment saying, hey, I'm hearing these things that are not pleasing to God. I'm gonna encourage you to change. Go back to what you know is true. Don't get sidetracked. But Paul took time to stay connected with other believers. And so I wanna communicate to you right now that I wanna actually lay out a challenge. And that challenge is if you haven't been doing that, This is one way that you can stay on mission while you're at home, is take the time to communicate with other believers, both here from Salem Heights or other people that you know. Because here's the thing. Communication, it it tells people that you care. Uh, Communicating with other people, it conveys this idea that you care. Now, I know a lot of us find comfort in uh, maybe writing a text or an email. There's, there's a lot of benefits to writing emails or texts because you can kind of think about what you're saying and, and make sure you can correct it and, and be able to do that. And you don't have to barge into somebody's life or make a special time to send it. You can kind of just send it whenever you want. But I was reading an article that uh, there was a, a group of researchers at the University of Michigan, and they found that there was a 40% decrease in empathy among certain populations which correlated with the increased use of technology. Now empathy is just the ability to to actually have care and to show that you care. um, To really have a genuine interest in the other person and what they found out is that while it it can be helpful and it's obviously there are many applications where texting and emailing can be very helpful, what they said is empathy The real ability to tell somebody you care is actually better received through voice and facial expressions. And so uh, maybe that just sounds really, really hard to you. But at the very minimum, what I want to encourage you is to, to learn from Paul's example here, which is one of the ways we can stay on mission during a time of house arrest is that we stay connected with other believers. And that one of the ways we can do that is by a simple phone call, sending them a note, just say, hey, I'm praying for you, I'm checking in on you. Paul's doing that here, he says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying for you. He continues to uh, talk about them and he's thankful for them and he wants them to know that even though they're apart, he's still thinking about them and he's still advocating for them um, before the Lord. The third thing we see here for how we can stay on mission while we're at home is that Paul was consistent in prayer. Uh, Join me here in verse 7. It says this, Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with this affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, So that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through jesus christ to the glory and praise of god you know prayer is an important thing to do just personally talking to god um, prayer is just communication with God and so it's it's just talking to God it's communicating to him who he is you can be praising God you can uh... shouting and, and you know talking to him in ways that he really uh... deserves telling him who he is confessing uh... things that you know that you've done that haven't been pleasing to him um, asking him to consider what you're going through asking him it says in scripture for us to hand those things over to Him because He cares and He hears. But there's another thing that prayer does besides just letting God know what's going on in our lives. When we go to the Lord to pray for ourselves, for someone else, prayer kinda reorients our perspective. See, in a time like this, uh, it can be really easy for you to kinda rely on yourself, to try to maybe solve your own problems, to try to think of a way that you're gonna come out of this. But self-reliance, even if you had the means to take care of yourself, even if you had the, fun, the money and the security to kind of take care of your own problems, here's the problem with self-reliance, is that the pressure always falls back on you. You have the pressure to maintain it, to make sure that you see it through, to make sure that you try to control all the variables that could impact your security when you're self-reliant. What prayer does when we go to God, Just in the act of going to God and talking to Him, we are acknowledging the fact that He is God and we are not. And that He actually has the means to take care of us. And His Word has communicated to us that He wants to take care of us. And so prayer can reorient our perspective. It reminds us that even though we can't maybe protect ourselves, take care of ourselves, uh, hold on and have an absolute sure thing in our security, God can and so when we pray, I believe this is what starts to instill confidence in us because it just can, we're reminding ourselves through the act of prayer that God is in control, that God is near, that God hears our prayers, that He cares. And so I think this is something we have to be regularly doing. I believe it's something that Paul was doing while he was on house arrest because he says here that he's giving thanks to God. He's always praying with joy for all of them in every prayer. Paul is spending time consistently praying you and I both have some extra time on our hands. What are we filling that time with? I know that if we don't make a point to be in God's word and to pray, I know that there are going to be other things clamoring for our attention, trying to jam their way in there. And some of those things might actually distract us from what God actually wants to tell us. But Paul was consistent in his prayer life. And I love what he says in verse 6. It's through the confidence that Paul got in his prayer life that Paul says, I am confident, I am sure of this thing, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul was consistent in prayer, and that prayer resulted in a confidence that God was gonna see him through. Um, Whether that was in life or death, God was never going to abandon him. So that's the third thing that Paul did, to stay on mission, to stay close to God while he was on house arrest, was that he stayed consistent in prayer. So Paul's circumstances didn't hinder his calling. He stayed connected with other believers. He was consistent in prayer. And the last thing we see is this. He embraced circumstances as new gospel opportunities. Look what it says in verse 12. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Paul could have said, man, I, why am I on house arrest? God, I, I've been doing your work. I've been going on these missionary journeys. I've been telling people about the gospel. I've been seeing people come to Christ. God, why are you allowing me now to be stuck in this house? That's not what he says here. He actually is encouraging the Philippian church who might have been thinking, oh man, poor Paul, he can't do now what God's called him to do. And he's saying, hey, no, 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 no. I want you to know, I'm actually, this is actually something that God has created a way for me to witness to this entire group of soldiers that has the responsibility of watching out for me. And anybody else that comes near me, they're going to hear about Christ. See, Paul looked at his circumstances not as, as obstacles, but as op- opportunities. Paul saw this as a new way, a, may, a way that maybe he would never have had that opportunity to witness and share the gospel with those guards And Paul's saying, oh man, what a great opportunity. These guys are forced to come and watch me? Man, I know what they're going to hear. Every time they come around me, they're going to hear about Christ. Was Paul's ministry different? Yes. But was it limited? No. It is our ability to kind of do church, grow in our faith, be in community, share the gospel is has it been impacted by coronavirus yes but our our opportunities to be on mission to continue to do what god has called us to do have those been prevented no all these different things all these different circumstances all these things we had to change they provide an opportunity maybe to our neighbors that we didn't have before maybe to people that we're going to run into now that we have longer lines at grocery stores Uh, Maybe it's going to be at a doctor's office or a place that you travel out to. There's going to be opportunities. Maybe it's even how we can be more intentional and reflective in uh, our social media, how we present ourselves there. We have opportunities now because the whole world is on notice. The whole world is being impacted by this. And they're being confronted with the reality of the the mortality of man, that we're all not going to live forever, that we can get sick, that we can get impacted by this. And they're going to be asking questions. We have an opportunity as a church to continue to see this as an opportunity for new gospel uh, doorways rather than hindrances to ministry. And we've seen that here at Salem Heights. And we want to continue to be not discouraged by the fact that we can't get together. And I want you to hear me. We can't wait for that day when we're together together. But we're not going to let that, the fact that we can't come together, stop us from continuing to declare the truth of God's word, from continuing to reach out and to be connected with other believers, to continue to fulfill our calling, and for us to continue to be in prayer. God's mission hasn't been hindered by COVID. And so I want to wrap up with this. Nothing can stop God from growing his church, from sharing his truth, and engaging the lost world. And nothing can stop you from growing in your faith, sharing his word, and engaging the lost as well. I uh, was reading a book uh, a few years ago and I was reminded of a a quote that was uh, shared by the author. It was a book on courage. And he said this, God made you to worship him and live faithful to him right where you are right when you are. He's not looking at the age of unbelief and wishing he had played his A-team for this era rather than you and me, and knowing that should comfort us. God knows what he's doing. God has uniquely wired you with specific gifts and tendencies and uniquely placed you where you live, where you work and play, in order to give you unique opportunities to speak to those he's lined up for you to meet about the God who has done all this. God could have given today's church an Augustine, a Martin Luther, a Jonathan Edwards, an Amy Carmichael, a C.H. Spurgeon, an Elizabeth Elliot, or insert your favorite hero from church history here, but he didn't. He gave today's church, in this age of unbelief, you and me. That's our calling, that's our privilege, that's our responsibility. God chose you to be part of the church that would live through the coronavirus. And because he's on mission, he is uniquely gifted and equipped you to help him fulfill that mission here on earth during this time. Believers, we got to continue to be on mission. Even though it's changed, even though we're at a, we have a stay home order and we don't know how long we're going to be forced to kind of do it this way, we are not limited in our ability to continue to do ministry. So we need to be seeing ourselves as servants, living for Christ in these days, not ourselves. We need to be thinking about ways that we can stay connected with other believers, calling, texting, writing, encouraging one another, exhorting each other to stay true to the word, to be in the word. We need to be consistent in our prayers, continuing to talk to God and listening for him to respond because he hears. And we need to see this time as an opportunity for new gospel paths. That's you and for me that's our challenge uh, this season. And so how are you doing in this area? How are you growing? How are you sharing? How are you engaging? It starts with a settled soul that's rooted in God's word, and it's lived out as a humble servant living in God's strength. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to uh, speak to your church, God, and I just pray that Your Word would remind us that uh, we can trust it, that it's sufficient, God, that we can read the Bible and know that it's not only going to give us wisdom for how to live in uncertain times, it's going to settle our soul in restless times. And so God, I pray that we would be in God's Word, that every single person Who's watching this would spend time this week reading your word, letting it feed them, letting it nourish them, letting it mend their soul, let it heal them, fill them up, because that's what your word promises it will do to those who engage it, God. But God, I thank you also for this example from the life of the Apostle Paul, who was on house arrest for two years and yet did not see that as a, an excuse to stop being on mission. God, If you have left us here on earth, it's because you're not finished having us join you in your work. And so God, I pray that you'd help us see ourselves as servants, that we'd be connected to other believers, consistent in our prayer life, and that we would see all these as opportunities to share the gospel with a lost and dying world. God, we thank you for this time this morning. We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen.